Romans 8 and verses 8, 28 and 29. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Our friends, uh, subject for tonight as we continue uh, in these studies in the life and work of the Apostle Paul is the Apostle Paul's method of sanctification, his method of sanctification, the biblical method of sanctification, something uh, that we all need to be very clear on because there are a number of different views upon this particular topic, as I'm sure uh, you are aware of. Now, when a person is converted, the work of God has begun uh, in that particular person and uh, a process begins whereby God is going to change him gradually, day by day, and he's going to be made a holy. And this is, in fact, the purpose of salvation. The purpose of salvation is not only to save a, a man or a woman and take them to heaven, and then everything is, is they're made holy in that place, but the purpose of salvation is to make us, to begin that process, of making us holy now. Salvation or uh, coming to faith in Christ initiates that process. And uh, after we are saved, while well, the person, uh, the believer, he wants to live a life that is pleasing to God and he wants to be a fit, a vessel, an instrument, a holy instrument and uh, to please God primarily, for God's glory primarily. And the great definition of uh, sanctification is given to us uh, here in Romans 8 and verses 28 and tw 29, or 29 especially, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So we are told that God's purpose for our lives as believers, if we are believers, is that we be conformed to the image of his Son, that in our characters, we become more and more like him. What a tremendous thing God is doing, isn't it? Making us like his son. Giving us a character that is like unto him. What a so amazing a thought. But this is what the Lord is doing. Sanctification is a process whereby God is making us like his dear son. And when we go to heaven, when we're translated to heaven, whether that is by death or when the Lord returns, and uh, then we, our bodies are changed in the twinkling of an eye, well, uh, immediately that will affect a change, a complete and sinless perfection in our souls. And then we may dwell in God's presence, in all purity, in all holiness, uh, forever. And heaven uh, won't be spoiled or tainted by our presence there as having indwelling sin or remaining sin, all corruption will be removed from our souls and from our new bodies, and we will be with the Lord forever. Nevertheless, as we said, it is uh, not an easy subject, uh, especially all the views that are uh, around these days, and many people, sadly, even in the Christian church, are somewhat confused. So we need to have a clear idea of what exactly uh, sanctification uh, is. Now, 
I'm just going to go through some of these views and just very briefly mention them. Uh, John Wesley, as you know, everyone loves uh, the Wesleys. And uh, well, he had a very popular view uh, on uh, sinless perfection. And uh, basically he believed that you could become so perfect in love so per that it would, or you, could, uh, you could live a sinless life here on earth. Not in heaven, but here on earth. Well, if only that was possible. Well, this is what they strove for. And this often comes out also in the hymns of the Wesleys, Charles Wesley. Uh, the emphasis often is on love. But then also there is the so-called uh, higher view, higher life view uh, of the early 20th century, the Keswick uh, Convention, I'm sure you know, which was uh, popularized, popularized by Purcell Smith and uh, the Christian secret of a happy life. And you, you know about that, you know, let go and uh, let God. Uh, let God, don't, you just don't have to do anything. You just let God uh, do everything uh, for you. And of course, this has been adopted and followed by many of the modern Pentecostal and uh, charismatic uh, movements. An instant holiness that comes by faith, by an experience. And uh, such an experience, perhaps they, you're called to come, come forward, surrender your whole life uh, to the Lord. And that experience, that act, uh, will lead to a, a, a complete uh, a holiness. And from then on, also, you are considered a, vi a victorious uh, person. Watchman Nee, uh, another f uh, the very famous uh, Chinese person and uh, teacher, he had a very distinctive view of how the, the Christian is made holy and again adopted something along the lines of which led to sinless perfection in this life while on earth. And another one, Augustine of Hippo. And uh, I think it's quite a complex uh, what he believed about uh, the uh, sanctification. But his view uh, was uh, taken up as well by the dispensationalists and the Dar Darbyites of the early Brethren movement uh, in the 19th century. And we won't really go into it, but i just mention uh, these things in passing. Uh, you can read up about it if you're interested in your own time. But uh, as we study these things, friends, uh, we see a lot of it is very uh, muddy, but if we stick to the scriptures and what the scriptures t uh, teach us, well, there's not too much difficulty to come to a very straightforward view of the apostolic method, and hopefully that is uh, what we'll see uh, tonight how we are made actually holy. Remember, justification is your being declared holy. It's a forensic act of God. God is declaring you uh, holy. But in sanctification, God is making you holy and changing you in a real way. So when I say, friends, uh, made holy, I, I don't want us to think of something that we could not really identify with. But uh, really what we're looking at uh, is uh, how do we grow as uh, Christians, as believers? How are we uh, deepened in our Christian lives and understanding? How do we become more prayerful? How do we, be we become more useful to the Lord? How is true worship increased in the soul? How are her characters sweetened and made more pleasant uh, uh, to the Lord and uh, to others? How are we becoming uh, much more like our Savior? Well, that's what biblical holiness is all about, isn't it? 
not something ethereal, not something up in the air, in the sky, not something that is uh, super spiritual, as it were, but something that's down on our level, something that's real and tangible that God works in us. And that's God does in every believer. It's practical, but in many ways, it's also down uh, to earth. So we're thinking about Paul's method, uh, especially, and uh, we can think of it as, as seven ways uh, to holiness. So we have seven points uh, to make, and it won't be very long. <coughs> but I'll tell you what they are uh, up front. Uh, the way to holiness for the Christian is first uh, by faith, uh, then by gratitude and love, then by the word of God, uh, by special dedication, fourthly, chastening is also included, mutual admonition, and lastly, uh, what we call mortification of sin. Now, uh, some have tried to bring our growth in holiness down to just one or two things, uh, but uh, it really is a large uh, subject. And it's a lifelong process that involves these several aspects. But none of the things in this list is obscure, is it? Or superfluous, easy to, to get a hold of, easy to grasp. I'm sure you know already what these things I've mentioned are. But it's putting into practice. It's getting a hold of these things and making it a priority uh, in our lives. That's what's going to take us on in sanctification. And that's, that makes me think of ourselves. We really need to uh, make it a priority in our lives. Some people are Christians and they've stopped growing. And they stop paying attention to grow, but it must be a goal, a purpose in our lives. You read all the biographies of those who have advanced in the Christian faith, and they have always been ones who have been big, as you to put it, on holiness and on sanctification and living a good life. Those who have been used, who have been instrumental, well, they, they focused on being holy and being right with the Lord and growing in grace, becoming more like the Savior. And all of us want to be used uh, more, and uh, so it's an important subject uh, for us. So, firstly, uh, by faith. Sanctification is by faith. And when we say that, uh, we have to start off by saying what we don't mean, <laughs> because I've already mentioned a wrong way of believing by faith. Many make that mistake, and it's a very big mistake to think that sanctification is just by faith and by faith alone. Justification is that, but not sanctification. Sanctification by faith does not mean that we can have an experience of belief and then God, in an instant, makes you holy. It doesn't work like that. You don't see any instance of that in the Bible where a person is made instantly holy by one experience. The most misused text for this uh, thinking is probably Galatians uh, 2.20, where Paul says that the life he lives, he lives by faith in Jesus Christ. But there he's talking about being saved. And you look at the, the context of the verse, it's all about justification. He's not talking about sanctification and, and living out the Christian life. It's all about justification by faith. The fact that he has a life to live is because of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what saved him. But it's not, as some have thought, the everyday life of holiness uh, that is somehow advanced 
by that initial and one supreme act of faith. So we cannot see that the New Testament teaches a sort of, if you, if you just believe hard enough, you know, if you just uh, grit your teeth, as it were, and uh, have this experience and seek with all your might this experience that God is going to give you overnight such a tremendous blessing where after it you will be happy and holy for the re rest of your life. Well, that cannot be uh, the basis of a true, that's not a, a, a true biblical way of looking at it. And yet, sadly, many Pentecostal and Charismatics uh, are thinking this is the way they think. This is the, the secret of the happy life that they, they portray to you and they give to you. And many uh, end up spending a lot of time seeking after this kind of experience. And if only they would follow the biblical way, they'll realize uh, how, how freeing it is to know that well, that's not the way, but the, the way in a day-to-day -day ongoing relationship with the Lord. But uh, nevertheless, uh, sanctification still, we have to say, is also by faith. In what way? Well, each day we are to exercise our faith. Each day we are to trust in the power and goodness and the promises of our God. Each day we are to live by faith uh, in Him. We are to believe, as we have begun our Christian life, believing in Him, having faith in Him. So every day we are to go on believing in Him and trusting in Him and going on with Him. As the Savior said, we are to abide in Him. And uh, we must do that or we will really not make uh, very much progress at all. You see, when we really do believe in a sovereign God who watches over us and we believe that all things work together for our good, then we can endure the sufferings that come our way. And we can take it from uh, His hand because we say, well, Father, I know that You have sent this my way and I, would, I can t receive it as uh, from You. The setbacks that happen in our life, the doors that are closed, uh, in our life, the trials even that uh, come into our life, we can take that from God and uh, trust in Him in it without breaking down. Trials really are so much a part as well of our sanctification and we could bring it under this, uh, this heading of faith, exercising faith uh, under trials uh, without breaking down. And the more we go through life in faith, uh, trusting, the more experienced we become in the things of God. You know Abraham, he went from faith to faith, from one degree of faith to another, trial after trial, and he was hard-pressed. It wasn't easy for him. It was an anxious time for him, and in so many ways, and yet in, in the midst of it all, he was trusting uh, in the Lord. So uh, we, it helps us tremendously to hold on to the Lord and by faith, in the midst of our difficulties and when we cannot see a way forward and it's dark still to go on trusting him uh, we become stronger in our lives and in our faith and it's character building <laughs> it makes us strong for oh, friends today you know so many people uh, are, cannot take the pressures of life but uh, we as christians our, our strength is not in ourselves but all these things even will be a help to us. The trials we go through will be a help to us for the future and a help 
also we can be uh, to other people. So we are, when, uh, we are not knocked flat by every difficulty or trial or the worldly pressure and temptation that comes upon us. But we are able to uh, say in our hearts, uh, Lord, in, uh, uh, in spite of everything, I'm going to trust uh, in your name. In Ephesians 6 and verse 16, uh, we read, uh, Above all, we are taking the shield of faith, whereby, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And yet, friends, what do we find? Really, sadly, so many Christians make so little progress in the Christian life because they are so taken up with personal problems and trials, and uh, they've taken their eyes off the Lord, and they hardly get anywhere. They hardly make any progress in this road to holiness because of a lack of daily exercising faith in Him and deep trust and dependence on Him. A lack of proving the Lord, believing in Him and trusting in Him. One of the things, for instance, that is not really believed uh, is that promise uh, given to us by Paul in Romans 8, 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed uh, in us. Well, that's a tremendous promise for us to lay a hold on in our times of suffering, uh, to trust that it will be so even for me. Well, so though we, we cannot believe then, friends, in a, a magical kind of sanctification whereby we, we get uh, this experience and uh, just by one act of faith and it's all worked out in a moment, yet we do believe that faith has an enormous part to play in making us a holy people. We must live with a daily uh, trust in God, who He is, what He can do, what He has promised, and how He will keep us. This is uh, vital for us. But then secondly, uh, Paul is at pains here also in his writings uh, to point out the many, in many places that we are made holy by gratitude and love. And Romans 8, 28 to 39, you can read that in your own time. That stirs us up, isn't it, to consecrate it, a holy living. And the love of God, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can this and this and this, can, nothing can separate us from his love. 1 Corinthians 13, uh, it's love that is so important. Colossians 3, 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. This is what we have to do. You may be familiar. Uh, some of us here, I'm sure, are with that old chorus. Uh, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, uh, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Well, uh, that's probably a summary of Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Well, we cannot expect, friends, uh, that those of the Lord's people that show little love for the Lord, who are slow in coming to worship and appreciation or uh, placing themselves under the preaching of the word, and to express a uh, little gratitude for the Lord for his saving them, you cannot think that they will get very far. No one lose their salvation. They'll still be believers, but they may not progress very far 
in their Christian life. So we ourselves must be careful to maintain that gratitude and our hearts warm towards our Savior, to dwell on his love and to return love for him, to express our gratitude, whether in song or in prayer, and to do this daily, or to be thankful to him for all that he has done uh, for us. That will keep us on this road to sanctification, be a help to us. And then thirdly, of course, the word of God must be a part and an important part in our growth in grace. <clears throat> 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16 and 17, we seem to read this almost every week, but it's, uh, it's relevant again. Uh, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good work. Uh, not only the man of God, but the woman of God, and every believer is included uh, here. The word of God reproves us, shows us what's wrong with our lives, and we put it right. The word of God instructs us, and we learn a little bit more, and we, we, things become a little bit more clearer about the doctrines in the scripture. And that's a delight, isn't it, as well, when we see things in a clearer way. So the word also instructs us as to what we ought to do to please God. And it instructs us uh, so that we are equipped to do what God wants us uh, to do. So the, the scriptures are pivotal to our sanctification. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, and I'll just read these verses to you. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And again, John seventeen seventeen, the Lord praying uh, to his Father, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. And uh, again, Paul told Timothy, to Timothy 4, verse 2, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. And all this, friends, is so that we might be holy. The pulpit ministry is, to, is a great help, one, of God, one that God has ordained for the benefit of us increasing in holiness and in uh, sanctification. Uh, the pulpit is there uh, not only to teach, but to sift us, to challenge us, to point out faults uh, uh, in us. And uh, it, it's, it teaches us and it applies the word of God to the hearts of the believers. It's a marvel, really, isn't it, friends? You think about it, a believer, <laughs> he's willing, uh, and this is, I think, a mark of grace as well, but a, a true believer is willing to place himself in a, in a church and be under regular ministry where even if he is reproved, or the word reproves him rather than the minister, but through the minister, the word reproves him, the word searches him, the word corrects him, and he's willing to receive it. He doesn't bark back against it. He doesn't fight against it. He doesn't grab a hold of the minister after the, you know, at the end of the service and say, what did you say all that for? He, doesn't, he keeps turning up and sitting there placing himself, and he, he just takes it, and he receives correction in a humble 
way because he's submitted meekly, as we were seeing on Sunday, to the Word of God. He's a teachable person. And uh, this is, uh, he's so willing to receive that correction. So the Word of God is, uh, speaks very uh, emphatically and strongly to the conduct and habits of believers as well as the unbeliever. It points out errors, and as true believers, uh, we want to apply the Word of God to ourselves, and we want to be obedient uh, to it. And as we do this more and more in our lives, well, we become holy. The Word of God doesn't, doesn't have a magical effect. It's not as if you, the more scriptures you memorize, for example, that you will become holy. Uh, but it's, uh, it, it challenges us. It says, this is what you need to change in your life. It provokes us, it exhorts us uh, to live in a godly way. And uh, it, 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 it attaches promises and uh, such uh, exhortations to show us the value of living a godly life. But any who neglect the word of God, of course, well, how can they make progress? Uh, will make very little progress. Read, reading the Bible, obeying the Bible, finding and worshipping God in the Bible, all are essential to holiness. And it's the, really quite an easy thing to spot somebody who's not a believer or just a professing believer because they hardly ever open their Bible in, in, in a home or they hardly ever come to the church uh, to, to study the Bible in a serious way. So that's the third thing, the Word of God. But then fourthly, the way to holiness is what we call, uh, or can call, special dedication. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And again, we don't hear much about this from the pulpits really, uh, as in the old times. It's quite neglected. Uh, but this, is, this dedication of ourselves to the Lord uh, ought to be an everyday thing to us. It uh, seems here that Paul, in Romans 12 and verse 1, is calling for a special uh, self-examination of our lives. An effort, and he's exhorting us to a special effort uh, to renew our promises uh, to our Savior. To live only for Him. Yes, we did it when we were saved. Yes, we did it when perhaps some good thing happened to us. We had an answer to prayer, some tremendous blessing. But this is more like a daily thing, or at least a regular thing in our lives. We often mention it uh, during the Lord's Supper. It's a good time to rededicate ourselves to the Lord. But personally as well, on our own, it's something that we should uh, be doing. Lord, uh, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to live for your glory. I rededicate myself to you. I give myself anew to you. Perhaps the things of the world, uh, as part of our self-examination, we say, oh, the things of the world have drawn me away. Uh, this last week, this last month, I've spent too much time in such and such a thing, and uh, I've grown cold to the Lord, and I haven't engaged in any witness, that, uh, and I haven't uh, been as prayerful as I, I ought to be or have done before. And then you want to come back to the Lord. Of course, the Lord will forgive us. But uh, we renew then our commitment to Him, Lord, to do better. And to, uh, uh, so we, we take ourselves uh, in hand and seek to change uh, in this way. So 
a special dedication of ourselves as a regular habit to make it a definite uh, sacrifice or commitment to the Lord. I'm going to do better. Sacrifice, isn't it? <laughs> That's another word we hear a little of, isn't it, today? Uh, sacrifice. It really wants to, the modern day believer, receive everything. But hey, how about some sacrifice on your part? Well, the Lord must be somewhat surprised that believers are so reluctant to sacrifice and do something and give up something uh, for Him. But it shouldn't be, isn't it? Because He's done all that uh, for us. Some new avenue of service perhaps we can, we can give ourselves to or gear up ourselves uh, in what we're already doing. A new determination in, uh, to worship or witness. Uh, to get back even to our Bibles if they've been uh, neglected. So it's a very uh, practical uh, matter. But then fifthly, uh, there's a part to be played by the chastening of the Lord. And I read from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? And then verse 10. For they verily for a few days chastened us, our earthly fathers, after their own pleasure. But he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Afterwards. So in love, friends, the Lord points out our faults. And sometimes, He has to chasten us because we are His children. And we're not yet uh, perfect. And it's then uh, we realize uh, when we've got into difficulties or perhaps suffered in, in some uh, way or other, uh, then we're brought to uh, repentance. And uh, in the end we find out, oh, it was good for me that uh, that chastening happened. And it enables us to make progress, to move forward a, a great deal. This is the Lord's way of dealing with us. Just as a father deals with his children and sometimes has to chasten them, if he didn't do that, you'd wonder whether he's really concerned about the child. And so our Father, our Heavenly Father, also has to chasten us. And, but if, we, if under chastening we become stubborn and refuse to yield and refuse to be corrected, well, that will hinder our progress in sanctification. And we can may perhaps even go uh, backwards. So it's important to realize when these uh, negative kind of things are happening in our lives, a chastening is happening. The Lord is dealing with us in love as that Heavenly Father. And perhaps uh, some, some of the ways that he, he, he shows that He is unhappy with us is by worship becoming somewhat difficult to us. And we don't really have the same enthusiasm for it as, or connection with the Lord as we had before. Or perhaps prayer becomes hard. We don't feel our prayers are, are getting anywhere. Or some scheme that we're, we, we've come about in life and it's not working out and things are going wrong with it. And perhaps that's an indication as well that the Lord is uh, 
is chastening us uh, by causing a difficulty like that or something similar to come into our lives because then we go back to the closet. <laughs> and then we say, Lord, show me. Is there a fault with me? And usually when the Lord is chastening us, He will let you know. You'll be somewhat aware of it. There's a reason, there's a cause uh, why it's happened uh, like that. But if it, even if you're not aware, but it brings you back to praying. Well, that's a, a good thing. And uh, we always want to see uh, chastening uh, in this kind of light. Uh, trial and hardship, well, th if it throws us back to the Lord once again and draws us closer to Him, it's a good thing for us. Though it's not, as Paul says, a pleasant thing afterwards. <laughs> when we're going through it, it's uh, not so pleasant. But afterwards, we see the, the gain and the profit uh, from it. But then sixthly, uh, mutual admonition. Uh, this is a little difficult one, a hard one, perhaps uh, for us uh, to take and not so commonly done amongst us. It's uh, one thing, uh, if the Bible rebukes us, it's another thing when somebody else rebukes us or tells us something that's wrong about us. If another Christian tells us, there's one thing when God says, you're a sinner, and say, yes, Lord, I'm a sinner fully. Another thing when the person says, but you, you did this wrong, you're a sinner. I'm not a sinner. I'm not saying that. You know. So uh, admonition, friends, uh, on, not only from the pulpit, it's easier perhaps to take it from the pulpit uh, because we may just disregard it, but when it's from a fellow believer, then it's harder to take, isn't it? It's a difficult thing if a believer, if a believer is not spiritual or not close to, uh, to that other person, but uh, let's see what Paul says, Romans 15 and verse uh, 14. <clears throat> and I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. That word admonish means to, to reason with somebody and to warn them on the basis of solid instruction. So you have something in mind, you're, you're reasoning with them, you're persuading them uh, in a scriptural way. And you've seen something that's amiss in their life, and you want to help them. You're not just being critical, you're not just finding fault, but you really have a sincere concern uh, for that person, you want to help them. Uh, Colossians 3, verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts uh, to the Lord. And again, Galatians 6, verse 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, as thou also be tempted. So clearly Paul believes that in the church of Jesus Christ, there ought to be this mutual admonition that where spiritual people dwell together in a church, they should help each other in this way, exhort each other along the path of holiness. And even at times, point out faults. But only ever, friends, in a spirit of love and a real desire to see that brother or that sister uh, progress. This is uh, hard, but uh, in some situations it's not maybe it's even impossible 
but it's a true mark of spiritual progress in the church when the saints can uh, dwell together and from time to time uh, can say to one another, I think we could do better here, or does this seem a wise thing to you to do? Is that the right path uh, for you to go down, brother? Or have you considered this scripture, uh, sister? It's done gently. It's done uh, meekly. Husband and wives. <laughs> well, you have your own ways, isn't it, uh, to, to sort of uh, reprove each other. There might be a little look or speaks a, a thousand words uh, or some other thing. But uh, in, in other ways, on a wider sphere, maybe we have to be a bit more discreet. Uh, I remember an illustration, but vaguely, and I'm sure somebody here told it to me, but I, if it's a bit what's the word, fuzzy to me, but I'll, I'll give it to you anyway. But there was uh, a man who was traveling on the ship, and also on board the ship, there was uh, another lord or some other important person on the ship. And uh, he, was on the, he was there, and uh, this Christian was uh, uh, not far away. But this lord, he was surrounded, important person, he was surrounded by his friends. And during the conversation, he was using a lot of bad language and blaspheming. And uh, well, was, you had the believer couldn't, uh, couldn't bear to, to stand it, to stand what he was hearing. But he didn't say anything immediately. He waited until the ship got to the other side. And then when the man, or important man was on his own, he got him and he spoke to him and he, and he told him about his bad language. And he gently reproved him for it. And the, that important person, Lord, whoever, uh, he said, if you told me that in front of all those other people, I would have given you one. I would have <laughs> I would have punched you, basically. But he said, because you've told me now in this, uh, on my own and in, this, and in this way, it had an effect on him. So uh, we have to do it uh, uh, wisely, gently, uh, considerately, but also always for the good of the other person. But then uh, finally, uh, mortification of sin. And this is a big subject uh, with the Apostle Paul. Uh, most of us uh, would expect, sorry, I beg your pardon, mortification, as you would expect, uh, means to kill off or to kill uh, off sin, to get rid of sin in our lives in this uh, murderous way. This is the one thing you can murder, our sins. Finish with it in your lives. You will never be able to do that completely in this life. But the Bible says we as Lord's people to keep up this continual battle with sin. On the one hand, mortification. Remember the second part, vivification, which is uh, life. Putting off the old man, and the vivification is putting on the, the new man, the graces of the, of the Lord. So both uh, come into play. So we'll never be able to do this on our own, but the Lord has left us and given to us his spirit uh, to help us to make a real good uh, fight uh, for mortification. Uh, Romans 6, verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of righteous, unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God, that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And uh, verse 13, uh, Romans 8. If ye live after the flesh, ye shall die, 
But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So it must be obvious, friends, to us that if we are to make any real progress uh, along the, the Christian road to holiness, we must deal with our present sins and sinful habit of putting off the old man and putting on the new. And you can do nothing better if you haven't as yet read John Owen's Multiplication of Sin. Uh, you can get the abridged version from Band of Truth. Uh, do that, and it's a real help uh, to us. Well, friends, if there's no serious desire uh, to act, to be better, to sin less, there's no tender conscience for our sin, over sin, then there can be no uh, progress as well. The road to holiness is in the opposite direction to the one of sin. So then, that's it, friends. This is uh, what Paul uh, presents to us with a package, seven ways uh, to holiness. Uh, faith, uh, gratitude and love to Christ, uh, the Word of God, sanctification by a special rededication of ourselves uh, to Him, by accepting the chastening of the Lord for our learning, uh, by mutual love and concern, admonition for the Lord's people, helping each other, and by a dogged determination uh, to kill off remaining sin. And then, then one day, the Lord in the twinkling of an eye will conform us to the image of His dear Son, and in holiness and purity, we will dwell with the Lord for all eternity. Amen.